Welcome back to Locked On Spurs right here on the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Jeff Garcia, News for San Antonio, Fox 29, SanAntonio.com. Your San Antonio Spurs got a season opening win over the New York Knicks, beating them 120 to 111. It was a great game all around. Yeah, there were some scary moments when you looked at the scoreboard, but needless to say, there were a lot of positives. There was also a good handful of negatives. So to break down the Spurs, season opening win i am joined by spurs own contributor ty yeager and at the line co-host ty welcome back to lockdown spurs and by the way let's just let everybody know this is actually take two of this episode isn't it it is and um, i'm just gonna say exactly what i said last time i can't stay away from this podcast can i <laughs> no you can't but hey as we t- we spoke about this last night at least you don't have to worry about editing and writing it up yeah and- yeah, for some reason, your whatever we were using last night, it somehow made you deeper than you really should have been. It sounded cool, but it sounded very off of everyone knows how your voice is. So, yeah, and, and then and then somehow we had a technical issue where it started glitching out. So it's like it's let's just rec- let's just re-record this. Yeah, exactly, and that's what we're gonna do. Is actually take two, but. You don't care about that. You care about what we think about the Spurs win. Uh, Ty, there's plenty of positives, but I think we should get rid of the negatives first. Let's just get that out of the way because despite the win, there were some things that caught my eye in a bad way. And I'll start off with turnovers. My goodness, they had 20-plus turnovers uh, for the game. Uh, Call that what you will. First-day jitters, a brand-new team. But Ty, this this got to stop like now. Yeah, unfortunately, the be- kind of the beginning of this game kind of reminded me of last year's Spurs, where turnovers could have been a real issue. It was a, that was the make or break aspect to last year's season, to most of those games last season, where if the team turned over turned over a certain amount of times, that they were probably not going to have an easy game, or it was easily going to be a loss, anything similar like that. Twenty one turnovers, that is sloppy. Giving. How do you give 16 steals to the Knicks? The Knicks, how do you do that? But well, they did. But but looking but looking at the turnover rate, they they had 21 turnovers in three quarters. What does that mm-hmm. mean? But there's only four quarters of play. You say, well, yeah, they never turned it over in the fourth quarter at all. The fourth quarter for the Spurs was amazing. This was a kind of the peak that the team showed. But it showed it kind of made me feel better showing that. Yeah, they had a sloppy three quarters, but and they had 21 turnovers. But then come fourth quarter, they tr- don't turn over once. They come back from those mistakes and they make up for it. And I was really—that's kind of the good—that's kind of the good news of 21 turnovers. If you look at this game, yeah, and that was a big reason why. Ready for this, listeners? The Knicks were leading after the third quarter versus your Spurs. It was those damn turnovers, as we mentioned, 21, leading to 32 Nick points. 32 Nick points, which leads to the second negative, transition defense. Fine, Ty. You're sloppy with the ball. You you make these errors. That's good. But let's get back on defense. But they just didn't. Uh, They allowed 32 transition points off their own turnovers, which really was a big reason why the Knicks were in this game. Ty, your thoughts? Yeah, it's, I, this was kind of a weakness I didn't really even think about when going into the beginning of the season. When I was looking at this team, it was like there's really no blatant, blatant weakness, but it looks like transition defense might be one of them. And DeJounte even said it during post game, saying that 
they've been working on that all all preseason, and it just really showed that they were they still weren't ready for that post for that transition. But he said earlier, but they fixed their mistakes. Like I said earlier with the with the turnovers, they fixed their mistakes and were able to fix it and make up make up the work in the fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, specifically, this is what uh, Murray had to say about the turnovers. He said, "Quote: I think." Something big we are focusing on was transition defense, as Ty mentioned. Continuing with uh, Murray's quote, he said it was a poor, it was poor during preseason. So that was the main focus. Should do better. We don't want to do that. Me and Tim Duncan, weird to hear that assistant coach Tim Duncan, but he says me and Tim Duncan were talking. When a team turns the ball over that much, you pretty much lose the game. We got a lot of work ahead of us. End quote. So Murray is definitely aware of it. Uh, I think the Spurs as a whole know that that cannot happen as the season uh, begins. And that could be a big reason why they pick up L's. Hopefully that doesn't happen. So you talk about the turnovers, you talk about the transition defense, perhaps another glaring bad, at least for three quarters, was DeMar DeRozan's play. Um, he was over after the first quarter, over at halftime. Ofer after the third quarter. He didn't score his first field goal until uh, the fourth period. Nevertheless, Ty, let's talk about DeRozan's periods one through three. Uh, your thoughts? Um, so I mentioned this on our first take and saying that this team is really well built to where if one, if one guy doesn't have a good night, that the rest of his team can show up and school for him. And that's kind of what happens. I, I actually do like that. Yeah, DeMar doesn't need to show up every night for this team to win. It, because there's so many other scores. Yeah, would I prefer him not to shoot 30% from the field? Yes, especially in 30 minute, 31 minutes of play and not have four turnovers. But he still kind of did his. He still did his work on the other end as a good role player. Had four rebounds, four assists. He's still dishing it out. He had even a block, so that's good defense right there. Yeah, it's only one block. I'm over. I'm over reacting on that, but still <laughs> showing that he can. Showing that he can still kind of play everywhere else. And he was really good at getting to the line. He had 11 free throw attempts. Yeah, he only made seven for 63%. But like I said, this team is built around scoring. And you don't. And if Dubar is not having a good night, someone else is going to show up. Look at LMA, 22 points. Brent Floor, 20 points. DeJounte, 18 points. There were five double-digit scores on this team, and there were multiple others that were that were kind of on the co-ends of getting double digits themselves. This team is built where if you if if someone does have a good night, someone else is going to show up and fill in fill in that role. No one is locked into a certain type of role for this team. I really like it. Yeah, uh, look, DeMar DeRozan, he did have a poor outing. Even Popovich admitted that. I mean, you couldn't ignore it. He said that pretty much DeRozan had a night that he would like to forget, at least for the first half, leaking into the uh, fourth period. Uh, you know, and you like what Popovich had to say about DeRozan's performance in the fourth quarter. Then we'll talk about that in a bit. But as far as his negative, uh, he just said that, hey, that DeRozan did not hang his head uh, despite having a rough uh, three periods. So there's that. And he called him a pro. And we'll talk about more about DeRozan and what he did in the final frame to help the Spurs, which was really, really good what he did. Needless to say, Ty, there. There's still a lot for this team to work on. De, uh, DeJounte said it himself. He said there's still work ahead. Um, I don't think Spurs fans should really jump on them as much as maybe we are because uh, it's just game one of 82, and these things are going to happen. 
believe it or not, Ty, you know this, we could be at game 50 and they could probably have another 20 plus turnover night. So this is just something they just need to work on, Ty. Yeah, it is. It's, and this is the first game of the season. This is still kind of in the preseason. Fortunately, the Spurs were got the schedule makers were on the Spurs side and gave them the Knicks for game number one. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. 21, turnover, 21, 21 turnovers might seem bad, but it's against the Knicks and you can always come back from that, luckily. But it's yeah, the exactly. Spurs still, I think they, I think they know, I think they know what they need to work on, which is always a good thing. They they've even addressed it that they know per- perfectly well what they need to fix. But then that fourth quarter, going in, kind of transitioning into some positives, that fourth quarter showed kind of what this team is, can do at its best. An 18-0 run to start the fourth the fourth quarter. That means stellar offense, great defense, and. That I think that's what that's kind of what we have looking looking forward up the hill for the Spurs team and that they, this team can really ball out once they are clicking. Yeah, they had a sloppy game for the first three quarters, but to come back from a sloppy game like that and then show up eighteen nothing, eighteen nothing to start off a fourth quarter, that's what this team needs to do. Yeah, you're always gonna make mistakes. You will make those you will make those multiple turnovers, but it's like playing an instrument, if you miss a beat, you don't stop. You just keep going, and you just you notice that for last time. You know, notice what you did wrong, and you just keep going. You don't let it stop you. And this is what the Spurs team did last night, did on Wednesday night. In a few seconds, Ty and I we're going to continue our chat about the positives. He got us going, but what other positives uh, happen for the Spurs to get the W over New York? Right, let's continue talking about positives, and you 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 nailed it on the head. Eighteen nothing run to start the final frame. Uh, that pretty much put the Knicks out of uh, harm, uh, at least you know out of any type of thought of getting a, a road win. Uh, that was really really good. But before we continue talking about the positives, I just want to get your quick thoughts on seeing Trey Lyles get the start. You know, many were looking at Pirtle as that one-two punch with LMA in the paint, uh, but. Pop went to Trey Lyles, and you saw some of that in the preseason. Lyles getting the nod to start alongside LMA. That happened in game one, regular season. Fertile off the bench. Lyles comes in and double-figure rebounding. He had about eight points. Uh, you think this is something that Pop may be onto, having Pirtle come off that bench with Lyles starting? Honestly, I would prefer Pirtle be starting, but I can understand the Trey Lyles starting. It's Trey Lyles is a bit more. He has a bit more athleticism. He was able to run up and down the court, especially against the Knicks team that's just that's essentially a roster of power forwards. But Trey Lyles is a bit more athletic, and I think was able to run with them better than Pirtle probably could. So I can understand why Trey Lyles got the start, and he did a pretty damn good job coming up, starting as a role player. He had eight points in 24 minutes, 11 rebounds. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of the player that you, the Spurs team needs. Just kind of a guy that knows his role. Yeah, he doesn't need to be he doesn't need to be starting every night. He doesn't need to be scoring every night. But being efficient on the floor, like that, with getting in seventy five percent shooting, with grabbing every board he possibly can, that's what this team needs. And I think it's I think Trey Lyles is going to be a really good piece for this team, even though that he was a consolation prize for Marcus Morris. Yeah, I I, I kind of like it. I, I think if Pop goes with Trey Lyles again versus the the Wizards in the next game, I wouldn't be mad about it. Uh, if Lyles is just simply going to do get in there and do the dirty work, get those rebounds, clog up the lane, perhaps stretch the floor a little bit, uh, you know, and score, that's fine. Look, 
Jakob said, and I wrote about this on, on the Spurs Zone, News for San Antonio, Fox 29, SanAntonio.com, that he's looking to be a, a, a bigger impact player for the Spurs, not just defensively, but offensively. But as of right now, offensively, you can say Lyles has the edge over Pirtle, and perhaps Pop sees that um, in Lyles as getting the defense, rebounds, clogging the lane, and scoring eight points. Pirtle came off the bench, scored six, which is good, but he didn't have the type of uh, rebound numbers as Lyles did. Not to discount Jakob, I think he's going to be a big player for the Spurs this season, but if this is something Pop rolls with as the season goes on, I would not be mad. Now, Ty, perhaps the big positive in the game, DeMar, was that he came alive in the fourth when the Spurs needed him. He had 10 points in the final frame, uh, pretty much helped put away the Knicks in that last quarter. So, hey, better late than never, huh, Ty? Yeah, and I, I, again, it's, again, this team's built around where you don't really need that scoring straight up. You don't need that scoring coming right away, have time. It's really well balanced. This is a really well balanced team, especially on scoring. And I think that's a big reason Bryn Forbes is starting out, where Bryn can come on, he can just come out and bring a big, big score right away. You thought, you, I think some people were preferring to have DeJounte and Derek White starting just because that's a defensive powerhouse. But having DeJounte, the defensive mind, then having Bryn, the scoring mind, both right next to each other, that's a good yin, yin and yang to go out there. And then DeMar, it kind of le- lets DeMar kind of the pressure off his shoulders. He's not, he doesn't need to be scoring right away. He can be, he can be doing some more off-ball stuff and helping relieve some of his other play, some of his teammates. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he did a great job, like I said earlier, going, getting to the line. 11 attempts for 7, seven made for 63%. Overall, this team, I, I think the underrated thing is, this team is getting to the line. 36 attempts at the line. That's a pretty damn high number, and they were shooting it efficiently at 80% overall as a team. I think this team can really draw the fouls, get to the line, score some points from the line. That's how DeMar got most of his scoring, seven points to be exact out of the 13, or just from the line. And I think that's going to be an underrated key factor about this team. Do you think um, that the Spurs, and I'm not trying to get off the uh, positive theme right now, but this is just a thought that popped in my head. Do you think Popovich needs to stop with this whole Bellinelli gets minutes over Lonnie Walker? That I was say, kind of, go ahead. Honestly, I don't know why we didn't hit that earlier because I know that we spent a long time on our first think about that, and I think yeah. it was, I think it was, I think that's kind of the reason that we the I don't think uh, the recorder want to hear us talk about Marco Bellinelli anymore. <laughs> just as much as Spurs fans don't want to see him on the floor. Yeah, he was he did what he needs to do as a role player, scoring three out of out of two shots, but giving him seventeen minutes that's. That's uh, yeah. I and I even said this last night. I said the last time we recorded. Yeah, Lonnie. I know everyone wants to see Lonnie Walker, but I'm very disappointed that Demar Demar Carroll didn't get didn't get any minutes, especially over Marco. And we said that this Knicks is a power forward team, or just the power forwards, as we would like to rename them. But and putting a and you said that Demar Carroll probably didn't get start because he's undersized against power forwards and stuff. Mm-hmm. But Marco Bellinelli is even more undersized than that. And I, I can understand you bring him in for scoring, but he isn't getting the volume that he would usually get. But playing Carroll in just for more of the defensive purposes, that's what I was very disappointed in, especially with all the damn turnovers the team was having. But Marco, yeah. 
I think we all know that Lonnie needs to earn his minutes, and probably Carroll's going to have to earn his minutes as well. But Marco Bellinelli, he's, he's just on a decline. He's he's in, his, he's in his early 30s. Yeah, he can make some amazing circus shots, but he can be very inefficient at times. And it, I just don't think – and there's already plenty of scoring on this team. I just don't think Marco Bellinelli is going to be needed for much longer on this team. And But the disappointing see him get 17 minutes instead of seeing DeMar Carroll or Lonnie Walker get some minutes instead of him. Yeah, I really thought that Pop would uh, roll with uh, Carroll. Uh, in the in this game uh, versus the Knicks, uh, like he Carroll had experience facing New York uh, more than the Spurs did last season playing with Brooklyn, so I thought there was that you know. But never, nevertheless, you know it is what it is. He didn't get run. I do expect uh, Carroll to be more of a factor as the season rolls on. And as I say, learning the Spurs system is tough, and maybe Pop just didn't feel that Carroll has really uh, Carroll has really grasped what is going on. Now let's get back on the positive train here. Uh, the Spurs never really uh, withered, despite the fact that the New York Knicks were staying in the game, despite the fact that they took the lead back, despite the fact that the Knicks, you know, erased a double-figure uh, uh, deficit to the Spurs. The Spurs never backed down. Large part, we talked about Demar in that third quarter. I'm sorry, the fourth quarter, but an unsung hero, and this, in my opinion, I don't know about you, has been the, it was the play of Bryn Forbes. Um, second leading score of the night, uh, 20 points, uh, still shooting lights out preseason, at least into one regular season game. Bryn Forrest definitely deserves some shine, Ty. Definitely. I think this this dude is going to be a, kind of the cornerstone of this year's team, and it's a contract year, as we've always said on previous podcasts. But Bryn is going to be working it, and he's already showing it. He worked 32 minutes last night, 20 points off of it. I don't think kind of a low 58% shooting, but still, he – this dude's kind of a volume score where you just kind of let him, you kind of let him shoot, you let him fly, because he most likely he's going to score more than fifty percent of his shots. And you know, you pointed this out that he has five, he has five rebounds. What is his height? Six one. This dude, yeah. he is a workhorse like anyone else on this team. He's going to be working it. He has that. He's kind of buffed up now. He's got. He doesn't have the height and size, but he's got some good strength and size now. I think he's going to be working it. He's working it inside. He can work from the mid-range, the three-point. He's a good three-tier scorer, and I think he's going to be one of the top scorers for this team, especially being last night where he scored 20 alone. This was a dude that went undrafted out of Michigan State, and suddenly he, last year, then he got thrown into the starting position, and now he's a bona fide starter that's going to be one of our main scorers this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a it's a good problem for the for Popovich to have. We all know that the Spurs have more than enough guards, but at least in Game One, Pop went with the Murray and uh, Forbes, I believe, uh, combo, leaving Derek White to come off that bench. When many fans and maybe some prognosticators thought that no, no, Pop will go with the two headed monster, Murray and White. No, uh, it actually went with Forbes, and it worked out great. Why? Because if you look at their stat, uh, their I'm sorry, their shot charts after the game. Murray and Forbes provided a nice one-two punch. Murray with the inside. Uh, Murray got a lot of his scoring at the rim, while Forbes got a lot of his scoring, obviously, outside of the paint and knocking down shots. Not to say anything that White cannot do that, but White is a really good combo guard. Uh, Maybe he cannot shoot as effectively as Forbes can, but he definitely gets to the rim. Needless to say, this is a good problem for the Spurs to have. As of right now, at least in one game, Forbes and Murray 
could be on to something here as far as providing that inside outside uh, menace for opposing teams tie. Oh, definitely. This is, I think this is the best, he probably had the best guard trio. If you look at Derek White too, that this is going to be a really good trio of just guards that you can interchange, swap out with each other. It's going to be really great. Yeah. Derek is not going to be the, he's not the volume score that Brent Forbes is. And I think that's what I said earlier, where he's more of the defensive purpose and he's kind of a good guy, reliable guy to come off the bench. But when you, I don't know how we haven't talked about this man more so far this podcast. How can you not talk about DeJounte and how he showed up last night? This, DeJounte that's gonna my cor- he's gonna be the but he's gonna be the cornerstone of this of this guard trio where he's gonna be the main guy. He's gonna be the leader of this team. He's gonna be playmaking. He's gonna be scoring. He's gonna be dishing the ball out for six assists like he did last night, and then grabbing boards too. This is Dejounte is gonna be kind of the cornerstone of why this trio's home. This trio of guards is gonna be probably one of the best backcourts in the league. Yeah, you cannot uh, praise uh, DeJounte Murray enough, uh, despite the fact that he did not end the game as a, the, te- the leading scorer for the Spurs. Nevertheless, he did so much in everything on the court, whether that be scoring, uh, handing out assists, rebounding, getting to the rim, knocking down the three-point shot. He did it all for San Antonio, and more importantly, he provided that spark. Bryn Forbes talked about it after the game, saying that Murray gives that this team that spark that they desperately need and he had it he had the energy he had that mean look on his face that he was ready to destroy everything as he said uh prior to the game versus the knicks needless to say ty uh dejounte murray looks more than back from that surgery slash injury he had last season he's living up to expectations this is the uh, i say he's going to go beyond our expectations we were all i know all Spurs fans were really high on DeJounte coming back. The hype was there, and I knew in the back of my mind, they were like, eh, well, if he doesn't show up, now nah, he, he said, he, he, told, he took that out of the back of my mind and said, dude, get it together. I'm DeJounte Murray, damn it. <laughs> Scored 70% of his shots. That's 70%. That's almost the highest on the team besides Trey Lazo, like 75. But, but volume, scoring like that, dishing out assists, like a good playmaker, three steals, Stay on the showing his defensive prowess as well. Yeah, he had four turnovers, but this whole team had had it at least one turnover somewhere in some way. But yeah. this team, Dejounte, he is. Yeah, he only scored 18 points, but he only he only had 23 minutes compared to LMA having 35, Brand having 32, and all that. Still, the score in with 10 minutes less than Brand and LMA and Demar, he still scored 18 points. And he even had that nice knockdown three in the corner and with five minutes remaining in the fourth. He's showing that he can do it all. He's going to be – his game is so well balanced. I can't – I honestly can't think of a weakness in his game so far. Maybe a few – some of his some of his ball handling was a little weak last night, but I think everyone's ball handling was really being pickpocketed as well. But this dude has an all-around game. He's going to be one of the next great two-way players – in this league, and I, he's going—he has to be an all-star if he keeps—if he keeps playing like this. Yeah, it was just one game. He looked really, really good. Uh, hopefully, he'll keep that up as the season progresses. In a few seconds, uh, Ty and I were going to continue talking about Spurs' win over the New York Knicks. Ty, uh, I mean, seriously, you know. 
do we applaud Spurs fans for giving Marcus Morris the business? They definitely let him have it uh, in his uh, only uh, appearance in San Antonio coming off the uh, fiasco in the offseason of, yeah, I'm going to sign with you Spurs and nah, never mind, I'm going to go back with somebody else. Oh, by the way, y'all got rid of Bertans and yeah, see you later. But you had something interesting to write about for the Spurs zone. Apparently, Pop and Morris are fine, but it feels like it could be a little bit deeper between the Spurs and Knicks. Yeah, so there was a after the game last night, Marcus Morris had talked with the press saying that it was great because him and Pop embraced after the game. Yeah, every, Spurs fans gave him the business every during starting lineup center every time he got the ball. Probably not as bad as Kawhi Leonard did last season, but still, it was it was it was meant to be it was meant to be that way. But he said that him and Pop had. Had had a great moment after the game that they all hashed it out, kind of talked it out, and he said that he still respects Pop, Brian Wright, and RC, everyone in the Spurs organization, and they've been nothing but good to him during his career, that as he says. <laughs> but what a new report came out today, or at least in a in an article by in the New York Daily News by Stefan Bondi, seemed that the Knicks felt justified for the market the Morris signing as they believed that Spurs tampered with the their with their former player, Christopher Zingas, which is, I'm going to say, I'm just going to call out the BS there. It's the Knicks <laughs> justifying something that's, they, they're justifying something that they did wrong with something that was speculation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, that whole Porzingis Spurs thing actually came up last year, I believe. So it's not Yeah, last, completely season, last season around January. Yeah, it was not completely new, but apparently it gets it runs deep uh, with the Knicks and this whole, you know, no, they did it first. No, y'all did it first. You know, the finger pointing. Hopefully it'll stop. And look, you know, Morris got it out of the way. He's not going to be back in San Antonio. So hopefully Spurs fans got it out of their system. But uh, Ty, before we put a wrap on this episode of Lockdown Spurs, uh, uh, applause to LaMarcus Aldridge quietly had a 22-point uh, night. And you look at the stat sheet and you look at the game, you're thinking, how do you, what, huh, what, he, he did this. He led the team in scoring. He anchored the defense. Uh, he had, uh, I think, uh, eight rebounds. He had a three-point shot. Um, LMA looked pretty good. This is the Marcus Aldridge that we expect. It's the guy that's going to put up 20 and 10 every night or just about that. Every single night, he's been very consistent throughout his career, especially for San Antonio now. And since like, the past two seasons, since he's kind of been a focal point of the offense, he's always going to show up. He's a He's showing you that he can always make some buckets. He's always going to make those turnaround jumpers from mid-range. He, he's showing you that he can, will show up night in and night out and always perform. And then add on a three-point shot, he, just shrug, he took and just shrugged as if, it, as if it was nothing. But then also getting eight rebounds, eight boards, and getting two blocks. LMA is a very underrated player in this league, and there is a, there's a reason SI put him in their top, in their top ten for the top 100 players in the NBA because he makes a difference on the court. He's going to show up very consistently, and he's just underrated. He is, and I think he's. I think that's going to make teams suffer. Yeah, it was a negative three on the, on the box score, but I don't think that says it all. He's going to be showing up for you night in and night out, and I think that's why the Spurs may allow him a, a guaranteed contract into 2021. Yeah, so uh, he's uh, looking in rare form. He lost a lot of weight in the offseason. He's looking thinner. I think it'll help him uh, prolong his NBA career. Uh, he's in San Antonio at least for one more season after this one. So hopefully he will you know, be that all-star that he was for the Spurs the last season and represent San Antonio 
at the uh, 20, uh, well, at least this season's uh, NBA All-Star game. Ty, overall, it was a good win. Uh, they had a little bumps in the road, but nevertheless, they pulled it out. That's all that matters at the end, a W. And now Spurs fans in San Antonio and you are going to welcome back Davis Berton Saturday night. Uh, how you feeling? Oh, I'm excited for this game. Mac and I are actually going to go to that game. I'm flying down to San Antonio on Saturday after work just for the game. And I'm going to be there cheering on one of my, one of my former favorite Spurs. I always loved Davis. I was able to get a chance to watch him. When the Spurs came to Dallas last season, I got to see him come drive down the lane with a monster dunk. So I'm excited to see him. I'm going to be cheering him on. And then I will consequently boo the rest of the Wizards team because it's, <laughs> it's just the Wizards. And I'm, I'm cheering out. Sorry, Thomas, you're not in San Antonio anymore because of a certain Knicks team, Knicks team. But I got you on the Spurs. But I'm excited to see Thomas once again. He was, he was always one of my favorites. But it should be fun to see him coming out, coming out Saturday night. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Uh, it's going to be one of those things where you're going to be cheering Bertans, but the moment that ball goes up in the air, it's, uh, you know, well, he's wearing a different uniform. But do you think he's going to get a tribute video? Hell yeah, he has to. This man still, <laughs> still put up some great clutch shots. He was still a fan favorite. He should be getting a tribute video. Yeah, I, I expect the Spurs fans. I mean, the Spurs fans would not only welcome him, but the Spurs themselves uh, thank him for his time in San Antonio. It's a shame. How it all went down. You know, it's weird how the schedule went down. They they start off with the Knicks and Morris, and the Spurs fans give him the business, and then they follow that up with the Wizards coming in with Bertans, where now it has some cheer and love and not so much disdain I, I will, in the air. I will say I will say I'm a bit happy for Davis because he's it seems like he's gonna be more of a focal point with his Wizards team, giving him some more minutes. I think some minutes that he definitely deserved in San Antonio. He showed off. He should have got that three point contest not last season, but I think he's gonna have he's God, gonna have a bigger role a with the Wizards team. I think, and I feel really good about it. Yeah, I think so too. And he's, if it's in the Eastern Conference, you know, he'll be able to shine a little bit more, uh, not be buried so much among the uh, some of the better players in the NBA, which almost all reside in the Western Conference. So he has a good shot at that, and maybe he'll make that three point shootout that he deserved last season. But you know, NBA had to have the Curry well. brothers in there. You think he, he will? Make that three point contest. He better. Yeah, I, I think so. I know it. Yeah. Well, well, we shall see. Uh, but we want to hear from you. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Go, go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio, Fox 29, San Antonio.com, and subscribe to Lockdown Spurs wherever you can find podcasts. Just click subscribe, and myself and Ty. And everybody else that comes on this show will give you the latest and greatest on your silver and black. But we're going to end the show with Ty telling you everything you need to know about himself, where to follow him, and, of course, at the Lion Podcast. Yes, of course, you can go follow us on, on Twitter at the Lion Pod for our, our latest podcast that we released on Tuesday. Give, that was a season preview before the next game. But if you still want to figure out what you should expect from this Spurs team this season, you should go there and also get some contract extension talk over there for on at the line pod on Twitter or on our website at the line podcast.com for me. You can follow me on Twitter at Ty Yeager radio. That's Ty J A G E R. Just like the alcohol radio and make sure to send me in, in your questions with the Spurs zone mailbox is open for your questions. So go ahead and send them, send them to me on Twitter. You can reply to the tweet that I sent out on Thursday, or you can just put the hashtag S Z mailbox with your question about the Spurs 
about general NBA because we are, I think we are all big NBA fans along with San Antonio fans. And then just give us some miscellaneous stuff for the Spurs Zone team to answer. We'll be getting that out shortly. But make sure to send in your questions, and you can definitely find them on the Spurs Zone on the SC mailbox. By the way, Ty, uh, a couple questions already came in while we're recording. So there you go. Perfect. And uh, can't wait for you to see them, and uh, hopefully we'll respond as soon as possible. But for Ty Yeager, I am Jeff Garcia. And we're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked on Spurs.